This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. This is a day I've been looking forward to for two and a half years. We're really proud of Timeline. We're going to reimagine Windows. Microsoft is announcing the breakthrough game console called Xbox. We've created a platform attuned to consumers' changing behaviors and an evolving sense of play. We set out to make the best watch in the world. And today, we're introducing Nexus 7. This is it, Xbox One. And we are calling it iPhone. The latest news, the newest products, the biggest names. Welcome to Your Tech Report. Online at yourtechreport.com. Join Mitchell Whitfield and Marco Flalo for the next hour of Your Tech Report. Welcome to it. I am Marco Flalo, as always, joined by Mitchell Whitfield. Follow along with us on Twitter. It is at Your Tech Report. Facebook.com slash Your Tech Report. And of course, Mitchell, the pages of yourtechreport.com. Man, is my email going absolutely nuts. We were supposed oh, boy. to... Listen, guys, we know. We were supposed to announce the winner of the Autel X-Star Premium Drone last week. I was stuck March break because of weather in the Northeast. I was stuck. We couldn't announce it. We had to do a replay of the show last week. I apologize. But let's get to it, Mitchell, right off the top of the show. Because if I don't, I'm going to get bombarded with email and hate mail. Well, it isn't just it isn't just email. I mean, even, you know, our other YouTube. And, of course, if you go to Your Tech Report, you know, YouTube slash, you know, Your Tech Report online, you'll see all of our videos. Uh, even on our other videos that had nothing to do with the giveaway, we were saying, who won the Autel drone? Who won it? So here we go. Without further ado, drum roll, please, Mark. <laughs> oh, that's such a great professional drum roll. The winner is Ryan Karcher of Franklin, North Carolina. Congratulations, Ryan. You have won yourself the X-Star Premium Drone from Autel. That includes the drone, the radio, the battery, the charging kit, everything. You download the free software. You can stream HD video to your device and record it. And best of all, Mark and I both know this thing flies beautifully. We call it the best bang for the buck drone on the market, and we will stick with that. So, Ryan, when you hear from us at your tech report, uh, make sure you check your junk file. Don't get rid of that email because we're going to be getting in touch with you this week so we can send you your beautiful new drone. And to everybody, thank you, of course, for participating in this giveaway, plus the other giveaways we've been doing. Plus, because you subscribe to our YouTube channel, you will have the first opportunity to uh, get in on some very cool giveaways we're going to be doing over the next couple of weeks. Mitchell, what do you have in the giveaway? Like, we tease some of uh, the giveaway closet that we have stuff lined up to give away. Tell, tell, oh, what do you boy. got? What do you got? Or to mention some companies. Well, you know, uh, there's a, com- a great company that makes fantastic Bluetooth speakers called Fugu. Uh, you might want to look very soon for that giveaway. We have stuff from Logitech to give away to our listeners. We have a pair of Bowers & Wilkins' beautiful new headphones to give away. We have something special from our friends at Milwaukee Tool. Uh, for those people that love tools, they sent us something special to give to one of our lucky listeners and or subscribers or followers. Uh, and Tom, Tom. Uh, God, there's someone, we have, uh, uh, what, what is that? I've got something from Tom Tom to give away. That's right. You have, Mark has a great thing from TomTom. We also have a special announcement coming up in the next week or so that involves our friends at Funko. And if you're a pop vinyl fan and you've always dreamed of getting a subscription box of your own for free, is that enough for tease? Did I give too much away? I think you may have given it just a little too much away there. I like to tease. You know I'm a big old tease, so come on. Mitchell, awesome show lined up for you guys today. We are going to talk to a very cool company that is solving one of the biggest problems I have seen in a long time on mobile devices, and that is places without cell phone coverage. What do you do when you're out camping? What do you do when you're at a concert and the network is congested? There is a company called Beartooth. Their product is so cool. They're sending us a couple units. We are going to talk to their founder after a quick break on this show. Plus, we're going to flash back to a very cool interview with Matt Whelan right after CES, talking all about Develop, which has got some amazing new firmware updates, making that one of the best router combos we've ever seen. And uh, Josh Stein from Microsoft, he's going to tell us all about the social media world behind Microsoft. But Mitchell, this week, we saw some pretty quick kind of silent announcements from Apple, including a a very cool product, Red iPhone. Yeah, we have, uh, you know... uh 
Apple's pro, you know, Project Red or Product Red line has been going on for years. It started, I think, in conjunction actually with Bono uh, of U2 fame. I think he paired, you know, with Apple to make this sort this sort of Product Red thing come alive. And what it is is any of their Product Red devices, they're usually a short-term run of one of their existing devices. They do in this great red color, uh, and proceeds from that sale go towards you know HIV and AIDS research. So it's obviously a great cause. And they have given the iPhone 7 and 7 Plus this beautiful red flat matte aluminum finish that looks absolutely gorgeous. And I know a lot of people are saying, oh, it would look better with a black front than a white front. Who cares? It's still going to look great. Uh, and, and along with that product red announcement, Mark, they very quietly announced upgrades to the iPad Mini 4. Uh, they're, you know, they're, they increased the storage for the same price. They may have even reduced the price a little bit. And the what I th- think the iPad Air 2 is now being replaced by what they're just calling the iPad. And they're putting a faster processor. So people, don't worry. People are saying all over the web and, on, you know, oh, look, Apple doesn't care about the iPad. They can do these silent announcements. This wasn't a new iPad. They just introduced internal upgrades to the existing line and just a little bit of renaming. But the new iPad Pro that we're going to hear about, that's probably going to be coming up in April. Lots of new announcements that Apple will support. It's just like a little mini update to their existing lineup, Mark. I, I, I call it housekeeping. It's a little little bit of housekeeping <laughs> exactly. to bring things in line with the brand before major announcements happen down the road. Grooming. It's, it's grooming. It's exactly what it is. Um, the, the brand new LG G6. This is one yes. of the first smartphones that we've seen this year. I mean, listen, when, when, I get excited about LG's announcements because th- there's rarely anything that leaks about LG because they do everything in the house. Um, not only that, but they're also not scared to kind of lead the pack when it comes to announcements. They always announce something at Mobile World Congress. It was the G6 this year. We are going to be talking to Frank Lee next week's, now on next week's show, um, all about the G6. They sent me a pre-production model. Mitchell, this might actually be the phone that, that allows me to switch to uh, an Android phone. I think it may actually happen. Anyhow, great show lined up for you. Beartooth coming up. Matt Whelan, Josh Stein from Microsoft. An awesome show. Congratulations to the winner of the X-Star Premium Drone. Drone. Click to yourtechreport.com. Follow us on Twitter at yourtechreport. Don't forget the YouTube channel. If you haven't subscribed yet, go there to subscribe. You'll get the inside scoop on all the latest giveaways and all the fun stuff we've got lined up for you. Enjoy the show. Get in touch with us again on Twitter. It is at yourtechreport. And our email address is contact at yourtechreport.com. Stand by for Beartooth. There's more Your Tech Report after this. This is Your Tech Report. For gadget news and reviews, click to yourtechreport.com. Welcome back to Your Tech Report. I am Marco Flallo. He is Mitchell Whitfield. On Twitter, we are at Your Tech Report, facebook.com slash yourtechreport. Don't forget our YouTube channel, Mitchell, youtube.com slash yourtechreport online. So you and I, we, we surf the web all the time. We look at different products and, yep. and different things that kind of pop up on our radar. And there's one particular product that popped up on my radar that made me instantly kind of reach out to the company and say, I need to learn more about this product. And that product is, the name of the product is, is Beartooth. Oh, this, this is brilliant. It really is one of those things, and you mentioned it, we talked about it before we went on the air. It's it's such a genius idea, and, and thank goodness that they came up with this product, because we think it's one of those things you look at, Mark, and you said it earlier, how could we have lived without a device like this in our lives when you hear what it does? And I think I think we're going to let someone else tell their story, correct? Let's invite Michael Monahan, <laughs> founder and CEO of Beartooth, uh, onto your tech report. Michael, well, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks, Mark. Thanks, Mitchell. We're, we're, ex- we're excited to have you today because we love, we, you know, we could regurgitate stories. We could tell the story anyway in shape for, and, or form that we want. But it's way more exciting to hear how a product came to be from one of the founders, someone who's in the product, who lives and breathes it, and has a passion about it. So can you tell our listeners, what is Beartooth at its core, and where did the idea come from? Great. So Beartooth allows you to connect your smartphone in areas where there's no cell service. You can send a text message, uh, talk to your friends, or even find them on a map, all in areas with no cell service. And it was really born out of uh, my own desire to have a product like that. I was skiing at uh, Bridger Bowl in 2012, and there's no cell service up there. Um, And I got done at the end of the day and met up with my original uh, co-founder of the company. He said, wow, wouldn't it be cool if we could make a smartphone connect 
uh, with no infrastructure, just like a handheld radio does. And that was the real genesis of the company. Well, this is what's really so cool, because you really filled a need that no one else has been able to fill, because uh, let's face it, as far as cell phone reception, you know, we see all these commercials from the big four talking about their coverage being so great. But you're right. You're right, Michael. People go places. People go on vacation. People that love the great outdoors. And there are some places, and thankfully so, that just don't have that reception. And I think you mentioned when we started talking off the air, you have this incredible high-tech device in your pocket. Everyone has a smartphone. But in places where you really need them, when you're on vacation, when you're at a concert, when you're skiing, you don't have the use of this great gadget in your product. And, and Beartooth really solves all that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, even though 95-plus percent of the population is covered by cell service, 30% of the landmass in America and 60% of the world has no coverage. So for all those things that you've talked about, out skiing or hiking or hunting, it allows you to connect with other people in your party. Or it could be a case where there's too many people. You're at a big football game. Yeah. Uh, you're at a concert where there's so many people, the towers are overwhelmed. This way, you and your party can still stay in contact with each other in a very reliable fashion. Talk, talk to me about the technology behind it. So your phone is connecting to the actual Beartooth device, which is a, is a separate device that I guess can live in your pocket? Yeah, absolutely. So Beartooth's a really small device. Think it's less than, uh, it's smaller than a deck of cards. And how it connects to your smartphone, it connects to the smartphone via Bluetooth, and then the Beartooths communicate with each other over a custom 900 megahertz radio that we've built. And what makes it really interesting is it can be very low power because we use uh, LoRa modulation, which allows you to move data and voice uh, over large uh, transmit paths, long transmit paths on very low power. Now, and the really cool, the really cool thing about this is, uh, I mean, it really takes having to travel with other devices out of the equation. For people that sometimes bring like two-way radios or walkie-talkies, or might bring a GPS, a dedicated GPS device, this is really all those things in one. Because none, neither of those things will give you the ability to text and give you the functionality of your smartphone. So it really empties your bag. It empties your kit bag a lot. Yep, it consolidates a bunch of other products. So you don't have to carry them. And Beartooth is a great everyday carry product because there's a 3,000 milliamp hour battery in there that allows you to keep your phone charged uh, from the Beartooth device as well. Now that's brilliant because you're, you're obviously serving so many needs at the same time. In terms of the actual uh, transmit frequency, there's no special licensing people require? This is kind of public spectrum? Yep, this is uh, public spectrum in uh, part 15, um, operating on 902 to 928 megahertz. Uh, frequency hopping. Um, so it allows us uh, to have the other thing that you'll find is, you know, you don't have a lot of crosstalk or stuff stepping on other uh, stepping on other users. The frequency hopping allows nearly limitless channels uh, for our users. Now, is there a limit to how many Beartooths you can have in your party? Let's say, you know, I'm, I'm traveling with five or six people. Five or six people is going to be absolutely uh, doable. We haven't really discovered an upper limit. I'm sure there is one, but any practical use case, you can have as many as you'd like for any practical uh, use of the device. And Michael, I'm looking right now, I'm checking online, I'm looking at your site as we speak, and I encourage our listeners to do the same. If they go to Beartooth.com, they can look at exactly what I'm looking at. And really, this is the kind of device that you want in as many pockets as you can, because obviously, if you're traveling with family and friends, the more people that have this, the more people that can communicate within this uh, 10-mile range. I think it's a 10-mile range for the text and the 5-mile range for voice, correct? Yes, and keep in mind, those are line of sight. Uh, Right, right, right. Pretty optimal conditions, but even with houses and buildings and trees and rolling hills in the way, we've been getting a couple miles of voice and a bit more of text. So that's a, you know, that, it, that that's very good coverage for any type of activity you want to be doing with your friends. Oh, it's great, especially, I mean, I just thought of another use, going to, like, at a family amusement park. If I'm at Disneyland, and I, I know that the coverage there, the cell coverage, it's supposed to be good, but it isn't very good. So having multiple devices in people's pockets, and you guys, and, and I said the reason I brought up the website is because it shows the different tiers, and the more that you buy, for example, you can get a pair of these, I think, for $179, but if you get four of them, it goes to $299. If you go to six of them, it's $425, so the price obviously goes down the more you get. And it's the kind of thing that you can really gift to people, because... Because, like I said, the more you have, the more people in your circle that have these, the better it's going to be for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and we've tried to make it easy to have more in your party. We've really discounted them uh, as you go to larger packs. Um, we're, we're almost giving them away in some of those larger packs. But we thought it was more important that you'd be able to share them with your friends and family so you could take maximum advantage of the product's capabilities.
Now you're still are you you're still taking I guess pre-orders at this point. When are you expected to be shipping your first devices? Uh, great. So we're still taking pre-orders. We'll be shipping first devices out uh, in just a few weeks. I was actually coordinating some of our o- overseas logistics right before I got on uh, the conversation with you. So we'll ship in a few weeks, uh, and we're very excited to get these out in people's hands. Well, we're very excited to get some hands-on time as well. I mean, I can I can see the use case. I'm going to Florida in a couple of days with my family, and even there, within you know, even like a one mile radius, it's difficult to get a get cell phone reception sometimes. So the use cases are absolutely endless. I encourage our listeners again to go to BearTooth.com, and I want to thank you for t- t- taking the time to join us. We really appreciate you talking to us. Oh, thank you. We love talking about the products, so we were excited to spend the time with you. Again, that address is Beartooth.com. Thank you to Michael Monahan. It is your tech report. Mark Aflalo and Mitchell Whitfield with you again. Follow along on Twitter. It is at your tech report. We will be back in just a moment. Your tech report will be right back. This is your tech report. For gadget news and reviews, click to yourtechreport.com. Welcome back to your tech report. Mark Aflalo in beautiful, uh, snowy Montreal. Mitchell Whitfield in unsnowy, sorry, rainy Los Angeles. And but you had to throw that in, didn't you? You well, can't just, because it makes you feel better to know that there's foul weather here. It makes you feel better about your situation. Not particularly. I was there for okay, 10 okay, days and it was pretty foul for the 10 that's days. That's true. It's very um, And joined by channel manager from Linksys, Matt Whelan. <laughs> Just on his, on his not on his way, but you're back from CES. You survived another year. How did it, how did it go? I did survive another year. Fantastic time again uh, on the Linksys front, just in general. You guys have both been to Vegas. You know what it's like. So uh, good, uh, good time, short time, uh, back safe and sound. You know, Matt, I know we've, I know we've touched on this before, but just big picture question before we go into the really cool stuff that you guys were showing. Um, how cool is it that, networking has become such a sexy, visible thing. And I'm saying that because it used to be this, you know, you know, your, your home network, your business network was hidden behind a desk. I know we've talked about this before, but how cool is it that right now, because we live in a digital world, networking products are at the top of the list when people talk about innovations, exciting new products. That's an exciting thing for you guys. Exciting for us, too. Yeah, it is absolutely, right? And a lot of times I get that analogy. People just say to me, they're like, you know, my, my router, my networking, my Wi-Fi, and the home is like plumbing. I just said, it's there. I don't really think about it, and I just need it to work. And I, I would say with all the advancements that we've seen over the last couple of months, and especially with the new product that we launched at CES this year, everyone's saying to us, like, wow, now I'm feeling really good about moving my traditional Wi-Fi device from the back room or my home office or under my desk out to the forefront. It's a bit of a conversation piece. How it works is a little bit differently. So for us, we're incredibly excited. It, it, you know, it's, been a, it's been a while coming, right? The traditional router has been in all of our homes, apartments, condos for a long time. And uh, seeing these new form factors and, and how they're working is, uh, is yeah, incredibly exciting. You're, you're absolutely right. You know, Matt, you know the- what? I, I think I came up with, Mark, I have to give him this. This is something that Lynx is going to run with. I'm telling you, uh, we can come up with a slogan. slogan Lynx is bringing sexy back to routing. Linksys oh, wow. is bringing sexy back to wireless. You can bring bringing sexy back is not just for music and Justin Timberlake. <laughs> I think Linksys should run with this. Oh god. <laughs> well, if uh, if I can get legal to sign off on a sticker, I'll put that on my box. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Matt. Matt, let's let's talk about sexy for a second because right. uh, y- you and I obviously we we saw each other a couple months ago when you first introduced me to Velop, and really I guess the first entrance to what we call this new buzzword, this mesh networking buzzword that everybody's throwing around that I don't think anybody really understands. Um, I do, but I want you to tell our listeners, you know, from from a firsthand point of view, Velop is is your first entry into mesh networking, and it is an absolute home run. Tell everybody about Velop. Yeah, so um, for us, we launched Velop at CES this year, and we couldn't be happier with um, how it went, right? From the reviews, like yourself, Mark, guys that have had a chance to get their hands on it and test it in the home environments, to the folks that were seeing it for the first time in Vegas last week, to uh, it, basically everyone now that's you know starting to put pre-orders in, we're, we're just seeing a tremendous amount of buzz around this. And what it is, is from us at like this, we created a true uh, networking mesh system, which is all about setting your Wi-Fi free. Um, from our packaging to what you'll read about on the websites, what we're after here is we're after giving a 100% seamless Wi-Fi connection throughout your entire home. And that premise has been around for a long time, but it's often been a challenge, right? Because, you know, what Mitchell's place is like is very different than your place in Montreal and my place in Toronto. And 
no two routers are, are, or no two homes are ever created equal, you know, from the materials that are in our walls to the interference from the other devices around the home. So how do we make sure that we get the best performance out of a product to deliver 100% Wi-Fi? And that's what we've been able to do with this Vela product and some of the technology that we've built into it. You know, I, I set up Velop. Um, the the process from A to Z, as you said, from packaging and design, which is absolutely completely intended to to stick out. I mean, it's meant to be on a counter. It's meant to be in a in a bedroom. It's meant to be in a living room and in a kitchen, no matter what. Design is absolutely impeccable. I mean, I made it a point when I was doing my first hands on to film it next to my Sonos. You know, so people can see that this is something that is intended to live out in the open, and actually, it works best out in the open. Now. Each one of these Velop nodes, and you can have one, you can have two, you can have three, you can expand, it, on its own is an incredibly powerful AC router, is it not? Yeah, no, absolutely, and that's how we designed it. So each one of these nodes, what, what we'll call them, they, you know, available in different packs depending on what you're out to accomplish, right? We've got a one-pack, a two-pack, and a three-pack. But each of those nodes in our Velop pack is actually an AC2200 tri-band router in itself. So if you were someone... You know, living in Manhattan and you didn't need uh, a, a lot of Wi-Fi, but thought, hey, you know, maybe a year or six months down the road from now, I'm looking to expand my horizons, get into a bigger place. Maybe you start with the one pack, which in itself is a great router on all its own. Then when the time comes, you've upgraded a little bit. You've said, you know, I need a little bit better coverage, but I want to make sure I'm still getting 100% at the edge of my network now that I've got a two-story flat in Soho. What you do is you, uh, you add a secondary node to that because it's a mesh-based system. These AC2200 nodes talk to one another at that exact same speed. And we've built some proprietary technology into there. We've used some mesh technology uh, as well to make sure that you're going to get the best connection out of it. You know, Matt, you just touched on something, and this is something that I wanted to bring up because the old school way of doing things, and old school is not that long ago, we're talking about a couple months ago, uh, a lot of people would take uh, a range extender, um, a repeater. There were different methods of extending your signal, and a lot of people that would talk to me, Mitchell, what do I do? I don't get it, and I'm trying to extend my signal. What they end up doing is they end up going to the fringe of their signal, which means they're going to be extending a poor signal. So really, it, it defeated the purpose, but you guys have set something up that you're extending the fullest signal possible that your system will allow. So basically, and, and using the app to set everything up is brilliant because it takes the guesswork out of everything on the user end, correct? Yeah, no, absolutely. When we, when we set out to build this product, the three things that boiled up to the top in terms of the, the relevance and the importance to the consumer, whether you're in big home, little home, medium home, whatever it was, was one, the ease of use. So we feel like absolutely we've nailed that, right? App-based setup, we built Bluetooth technology into each one of these nodes. Mm -hmm. And you say, why Bluetooth? Well, the easy answer is because your mobile phone or your tablet has Bluetooth. So when you're setting it up and you're putting all the credentials into that first develop around what your username and password is going to be, guess what? The Bluetooth, as you start to set up node number two and number three, is going to be able to carry those uh, credentials on. So you're not taking step-by-step and you know, two hours in an engineering degree to get that set up. <laughs> On the performance side, absolutely, right? A lot of folks don't realize if I've got a router in the home and I get a range extender, you may have great coverage and getting great performance. But what we know a lot of folks also don't realize is if I've got a router that's giving me 100 megabits per second out of the wall for my service provider, the minute I plug in a range extender, the best I'll ever get from that thing is 50% of what the, the I'm paying for. So right. you add a secondary range extender, guess what? It cuts in half again. Now I'm down to 25%. But the way we've built Velop is to have this tri-band technology to always go looking for the clearest path and a dynamic channel selection to make sure that at the edge of the network, instead of 100, 50, 25, and keep cutting every time, we're going to give you 100 to 100 to 100 between each year Velops. And then the last thing, you know, Mark mentioned it's all about the design, right? Upright conversation piece. I told a lot of folks the same story. I showed my wife the Vela product and she said, yep, you can put that wherever the hell you want. In the house. <laughs> my old VA 9500, you can guess where that was. Favorite, one of my favorite routers. It's buried in my office, right? Doors closed. She doesn't see it. But uh, a lot like the design cues that Mark mentioned from some of the other brands that you'd like to put out in your open space and have people ask me, what is that? Well, this is delivering Wi-Fi throughout my entire home, my backyard, my front yard. Um, those three things were, were critical to, to what we did with Velop. 
Absolutely. And, you know, we can't, I know we're, we're joking about it, and Mark, Mark was absolutely right. We talk about the aesthetics, and the reason we bring up the aesthetics is I can give you an example of my own life. My sister-in-law had me come over to try to set up, you know, move her route around to get better coverage, and I was moving it to, you know, toward, sort of the center of the house to give her the best range possible. She's not a techie. She didn't want to have to deal with anything, so I was setting it up, and I put it in the center of her home where, you know, where it would give the best coverage. She goes, uh-uh, put it somewhere else. I don't want people seeing that. I said, what do you mean you want people? So, well, the antennas are sticking up. I said, it's beautiful. But for people like that that don't like the stigma of seeing the antennas or something that looks like a tech product, this is actually the aesthetics really, really do come into play for a lot of people that aren't comfortable with technology around them. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that was, again, going back to those three things, design was a huge consideration for us. I myself, personally, I love our big black Linksys routers with the antennas because I know... I do too! They're me, yeah, they're giving me great performance, they're giving me eight ports, they're giving me USB connectivity, and um, what, ultimately, what we designed developed for is, you know, uh, being able to deliver 100% Wi-Fi performance anywhere in the home with design being a, uh, an important part of that factor. So uh, I'm glad you guys both like it. It was, uh, it, it was a, lot of, a lot of time and effort put into developing how it looks today. We're definitely going to be doing spending some more time with it and doing some more hands-on stuff. I'm going to tell you my only downside, which is a positive thing, is, is that uh, it's, a, it's, it's too simple for me. I almost, I'm looking for some of the tools that I used to use on other routers. I'm like, I guess I don't have to anymore because now it's all there in the app. And, and, yeah. and you said it, Matt, with setup. I mean, it was so, so painless setting it up with Bluetooth. I didn't have to worry about trying to connect to a network to make it work. It, just, it, it really did work from start to finish as described and as absolutely sexy. But that's not the only thing that you guys unveiled at CES. You guys, you know, at heart, gamers have been with oh, Linksys yeah. and with your brand for so long because of the power of those router, routers and, and just that technology. Tell us about this gaming router and why it differs from everything else. Yeah, no, absolutely. Great point. So it's a huge transition for what you're talking about with Velop and the whole home Wi-Fi and mesh system. We're, we're going to talk very handedly about uh, how a dedicated gaming router is going to make a difference to folks, right? So the gamers out there, are they going to embrace the kind of Velop mesh technology? I'd say some of them will because they maybe are more of a casual gamer on the console side and, um, you know, the lowest ping rate is not the most important to them, but we also know there are some very dedicated uh, console gamers as well as the PC gamers, the mobile gamers who are looking for a router that's going to deliver something a little bit different because if you think about the marketplace today, whether you're in Canada or down in the U.S., um, there's no true router that just screams gaming and is optimized for gaming. So what we launched at CES is going to be available a little bit later in the spring, uh, both uh, north and south of the borders. A new version of our WRT router called the WRT32X. Um, if you've had a chance to see it, you know that the form factor is very much the same as the old WRT that you're used to seeing, but it just gets this black, sleek, very mean and, and menacing type of look to it. And the coolest thing about this thing is, how do you validate that this is going to be a great gaming router? I can tell you all day long because I'm the Linksys guy, right? But you're you know, <laughs> sitting there saying, well, great. How do you make it a great router? What we did is we partnered with a company behind the technology and killer networks, um, which truly are, are the leaders in the, in the networking gaming space with a bunch of cool software and hardware technology, which was basically what it's going to allow you to do is just optimize your gaming experience as soon as they know that a killer um, desktop or laptop are on the network and are connected to a killer router like the WRT32X. No, it's the perfect storm. And as a gamer, I can tell you, and it's funny when it's funny how these things became more important as soon as professional gaming became something that could be monetized and how the equipment sort of accelerated after that, Matt. And you look at this stuff, and the one thing in gaming that will kill the gaming experience, any pro gamer or sort of prosumer gamer will tell you is latency. If there's any sort of latency, that, and, that, and that's why they have monitors that are quick, your network is the main connection to your competition and any sort of latency. But this, this, this router takes it out of your hands and just makes things absolutely fly. So if you're a gamer out there that is worried about your connectivity, that is worried about latency, if you've spent any time trying to open up ports and mess with your port settings, this router takes all that pain away. Absolutely. And, and what we did, again, by partnering with Killer was we said, what are the key things that gamers are looking for? And it's those two things you just talked about. Latency and ping rates, right? How do we eliminate that? Yep. Whether we're Wi-Fi, whether we're wired, we've got technology built into the router that Again, those two technologies are going to talk to each other and drive the lowest ping rates, the fastest speeds. Uh, so those gamers, you know, when you're in the middle of a first-person shooter session, 
you're not going to be left uh, standing in the dust, right? You're going to be right up there with the rest of the guys. And I love the look of this thing, too. You talk about, you know, this big beast with the antenna. Listen, this is the new bragging point for dudes. People come into a room and go, oh, look at, look at the wireless router on that guy. I mean, that's become the new bragging point here. Yeah, it, it absolutely has been, right? We, we could have kept with the same design cues as the old WRT, which was black and blue, and, and I would still say is a menacing-looking router, and folks know it, right? It's still got that open-source capability. It's still got smart <laughs> Wi-Fi, but now we've made it all black, very, very much uh, with gamers in mind, and and developing um, the software behind that to ensure a, a, the best gaming experience possible. What's the reaction been by, from actual gamers? Uh, phenomenal. Phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal. A lot of folks, and, and again, I think it goes back to the fact that we took the path of partnering versus developing our own software, our own QoS engine, our own proprietary way of ensuring that's a better gaming experience. We could have done it. We, it would have taken us a lot of time and energy and resources to do it. But the killer folks said, listen, there's really a, a niche game market out there that doesn't have a great solution today. Um, and so far, the feedback has been absolutely phenomenal behind it. People can't wait. Spring availability, so we still got a couple months to go, but um, the, the hype was certainly there at CES. What price point are we going to be looking at for the obviously the gaming router? And, and I know Velop obviously comes in different in different packages depending how many nodes you want, and that's available for pre order now. Matt Whelan, yeah, we'll, thank you, thank you. <laughs> I mean, every single time you come on, we love having you on. We want to. I just want to keep you on every week. Can we do that? Yeah, no? maybe. Uh, <laughs> well, the da- listen. The downside is it's like you know the sign of a great product and, and a great guy presenting the product is we always fight over who gets what. It's like, wait a minute, can I send that up? No, you send that to me. No, you send that to me. So you know you, you have great stuff when you have ho- co-hosts fighting over who gets what. I, I truly appreciate it. I know you guys both are, uh, you know, mindful of whether you're a Velop user or, or a gaming type of person that would be after right. our WRT32X. So uh, happy to keep it coming. And, we, uh, you know, on behalf of our Linksys team, I appreciate you guys talking about this stuff. So, so much buzz, so much buzz at CS around whole home Wi-Fi and mesh networking and, uh, you know, anyone that's listening, they'll know. You take a quick look up on Google around Velop and from the awards to the buzz to, you know, Mark, what you even covered for us too, right? Lots of great news coming out of that thing. So, yeah, I, I, we're super excited, super excited. Thanks, Matt. We look forward to having you on again in the very near future, I hope. I hope so too. Thank you, gentlemen. On Twitter, we are at Your Tech Report, Facebook.com slash Your Tech Report, and of course, YouTube.com slash Your Tech Report online. There's more Your Tech Report after this. Welcome back to Your Tech Report. Welcome back to Your Tech Report. As always, Marco Flalo and Mitchell Whitfield with you on Twitter. We are at Your Tech Report, Facebook.com slash Your Tech Report. Email address Mitchell's contact at yourtechreport.com and don't forget our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash yourtechreport online. I feel kind of uh, like uh, kind of humbled mentioning our social media because we're like nothing yeah. in comparison to our next guest. <laughs> well, our, our next guest, you know, could put our, our social media feed to shame. And, you know, our, we, we love talking video games, obviously, and we're, we're both Xbox guys, been playing Xbox since its inception, Xbox Live, playing online with friends. And, it, we're always we're always thrilled to talk about gaming, partially not just because we enjoy it, but our we have a big following of gamers in our audience. But I'm I'm always I'm, I'm fascinated by the other side of gaming, where it's not, not just the gamers, but the people behind the gamers, the social community, how all of that works. And I we're lucky enough to have with us today Josh Stein, really cool guy. He's community manager at Microsoft Studios, and we'll talk about his role there because I think people are first of all are going to be blown away, and the, the rest of people will be like, "How do I?" get that job josh thank you for joining us today how you doing man great man great uh can't can't agree with you any anymore it is it's pretty pretty much the best job in the world in my opinion i know i'm a hundred percent biased but <laughs> I, I would definitely agree with you on that statement but you know what, Josh? I mean, so many people in the gaming industry, in the gaming industry in general, I think, there's so many gamers out there. What was once a hobby that was relegated to, you know, late at night or behind doors now has become one of the largest forms of entertainment on the planet. And isn't it funny how we look at the gaming community differently now? And those jobs are so coveted, so hard to find. How often do you literally hear from people, man, how do I get your job? I'm sure you hear that all the time, right? Absolutely, yes. Um, I would... 100% agree. I, hit, I hear that every day uh, <laughs> whenever we go to events and we're boots on the ground at something like E3 or PAXs. Um, it's constantly. Um, I have even done a couple panels on it, just, just how to get in the gaming industry, specifically on the community side, because it's different in different departments, of course. But um, absolutely, it's, 
it's gone from, like you said, in the same sense of gaming was this little midnight culture, something you did to piddle around right. into a full, huge industry. Same thing with community management, for example, for what I do. It went from volunteering on forums and, and moderation to now a full-time career path. Okay, so let's for people that don't know, people that just stepped off the bus and they have no idea of what a community manager does, tell, tell everyone what a community manager, and I know, and once again, I know the list of things that you do on your day, in your day-to-day is, is enormous, but just basic parameters and then how it applies to you. What does a community manager at Microsoft Studios do? Yeah, it's different, first of all, to reiterate, it's different everywhere you go. Uh, businesses have community managers. Like, I've met HVAC guys who are community managers for HVAC companies. Right. Um, and the, in our industry, you have anywhere from studios to publishing um, and, and the whole spectrum. So specifically for me, I'm over here on the publishing side for Microsoft Studios. And it's my job, of uh, one of many, <laughs> uh, it's my job to basically uh, be the shepherd for that community. So the game brings that community. We, we announce the game, we boom, we drop that big, oh my gosh, surprise, that big sexy trailer. Everyone gets super excited. We've been working on the game for a while. But in the behind scenes, it's kind of a three different, I look at it three different ways. You've got a before a game is announced, you've got that kind of work you have got to do. You've got a once a game is announced to launch, and then you've got post-launch. And to sum it all up, I always try to look at it, if I try to kind of narrow everything down, it's my job to basically translate community here at Microsoft Studios Publishing, and then vice versa, translate Microsoft Studios Publishing to the community and help shepherd those two people, whether it's internal on business or external on the fans. So part of, and part of your job also is dealing with all the social networking aspects of this, am I right? Correct, absolutely. So one of many of the facets of the job is manning the helm for social media. Um, I'm actually staring at my six monitors right now. I'm very OCD <laughs> with how I have my social media tracking and system set up. I fit, a lot of people feel like I'm you know, giving me that Matrix reading-esque when they come and see my screen. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's manning the helm. It's talking to the community. It's going where they are, whether that's in NeoGAF, Reddit, or Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, you know, the obvious social medias. And, right. Yeah, I'm the, ma- I'm the man behind a couple of social media handles. It's, it's clearly a team effort. Um, I'm part of a broader publishing team. And you think of Microsoft Studios Publishing, like, for example, Gears of War, Halo, Franchise, Forza. They have their own echelon and studios, but then we have these awesome games who aren't quite big franchises yet, like Quantum Break, ReCore, Scalebound, right. State of Decay. Um, and that's where I come in and help uh, kind of foster that relationship between the developer community and our community. And then, like you said, man the Twitters as you see me online. I'm slinging the tweets night and day. It's, <laughs> not, an, it's not a Monday to Friday, 9 to 5 for sure. Well, you know, the benefit, Josh, is that, you know, when uh, when people walk by you during lunchtime, they're not worrying about whether you're uh, dabbling in other things, other, you know, other social media, because it really is your job 24-7 to deal with all that. Yeah, literally, um, it's kind of funny. I just finished a live stream on Friday, and I needed to get some social media posts out midstream, but I was the man in the middle right there. <laughs> and so um, I had to stop on stream. Well, the stream was still going, but you can see me in the corner pecking away. And chat's like, is he texting on a stream? <laughs> and I was like, nope, got to get that social media out. Got to get that social out. You know, Josh, before before mainstream social media really existed, I mean, people were communicating within games, especially on the on the Xbox platform, for for a long time. It almost is like you know, online gaming and that that ability to communicate with each other really was the first social network before we really saw a commercialization of it. Absolutely, um, I have said it since day one, and I will always say it. Um, I think the best thing that a console maker ever did was Xbox, the OG, and they slapped that Ethernet port in the back. Everyone thought they were crazy. Why, why, why do you want to? Why do you want an Ethernet port in the back of a console? Everyone thought they were crazy, but in my opinion, that gave birth to Xbox Live, and then that gave birth to the Xbox Live community, as you said, and that that kind of just started tying people together. That's when we evolved from that couch co-op friendship to that online social network. You know, it's so funny because people, you know, people gravitate towards celebrities and, and various different Twitter handles, and people are amazed yeah. by, oh, look, this person has 2 million Twitter followers, this person has 3 million Twitter followers. And meanwhile, on the side here is, you know, Xbox with, what, 10 million Twitter followers? I mean, we're talking <laughs> about a community that is absolutely insane, but also spans the entire globe. Absolutely, yes. Worldwide. And that's something also to keep important. Obviously, I'm located here, home base in Redmond, Washington. 
at the heart of Xbox, but my community, for example, Quantum Break was one I worked on. Right. A huge European following, and that was something I had to tailor my voice to. You got to, as a community manager, it's that's a good challenge, I think. Well, if, if, just, so if you just joined us, first of all, I was, I was going to say shame on you, but that's not really fair. People tune in at all different times, so I will not be shaming anyone. We are talking with <laughs> Josh Stein, Community Manager at Microsoft Studios. We talked a little bit about what a community manager does and everything that it entails, and part of what Josh was just telling us about was you know, the big social media aspect, which is just one part of what he does. But here I am thinking, and every once in a while, Josh, we, and, you know, I think you've probably seen, I think you've responded once in a while to a couple of my tweets that I've put out there. There are so many people on a daily basis that are not just tweeting, you know, specific to Microsoft Studio Games, but Xbox in general. Mm-hmm. What exactly, how do you pick what to, I know this is really a pedestrian question, but for the average listener that doesn't really know, how do you pick what to respond to, what trends to go after, what to look for? Because at the same time, you're also looking for community influencers that can help spread the gospel for the studio and the, the franchise. So how do you figure out which one to respond to and which one not to? Yeah, it's an organic balance, and um, I look at it um, like dancing. To, I took a couple dancing classes when I was super young, but I still remember a couple <laughs> pieces of it. I know this is a weird analogy, but this, it always reminds me. When I started out and I took some dancing classes with my girlfriend at the time, it was, you know, I was clumsy, I was, you know, stepping on her feet, you know, messing up, but then as it kind of evolved, it became this organic ballet, um, um, kind of this natural progression, and I look at it as social media the same way. You start out, uh, you know, on the bottom, you start learning, um, you start noticing trends. Also, it's very understand. you need to know the voice of your company, the voice of your game. It's very important. If you go to Rick and Morty social media, and then you go to, you know, like Sesame Street, you're obviously going to see, what, two different voices. So <laughs> yes. it's pretty important to be able to make sure you yourself speak it. So, like, one of my mantras is, I always want to know the franchise before I... I like give green light to, okay, I want to be a part of this. For example, my next title is State of K2, but I wanted to see the current state. I wanted to spend some you know, intimate time with State of the K1. I wanted to talk to the developers and make sure it was obviously a right fit and I could speak the language. But like you said, it's a, it's a ballet balance. There is feeds that will be blowing up from every single fan and community member out there. Like, let's say we drop a new trailer. I'll get super excited. But at the same time, I've got tools. Tools really allow me to be to be the most successful at this because I can trend and watch and see if, oh crap, somebody with ten thousand followers just retweeted me. Maybe I should reach out and give them an extra fluff, uh, an extra <laughs> hug. Or this guy tweeted, you know, his baby was born on the launch day. Like that's really something awesome and special, and that's something I want to be able to see and and share and amplify. You are listening to your tech report. We are talking to Josh Stein, community manager at Microsoft Studios. Josh, you, you know, you talk about those external voices and all these fans and players. You know, how much of the feedback that you get and you sift through and that your team sift through, how much of that makes it back to the developers when it comes to building add-ons, building DLCs, building new yeah. games? That's a great question, actually, because I know we just talked about the external voices, but what about the internal a lot of people don't see the work that I and my peers do on the other side of the fence. They just see us on manning the social realms. But a really big important part of our job is that feedback you mentioned. Um, for example, uh, State of Decay 1 to State of Decay 2. That's a great example of one franchise to a sequel. That can't happen successfully in anyone's opinion without proper community channels, feedback, and intuition on the inside. So, uh, for example, I do reports. Every single week, every single month, sometimes even on a daily basis, I am constantly writing, creating social trends, reports, making sure I'm man in the middle, basically, on any of those information. So that way I can take community, translate it, give it to the developer in a language that they can understand and speak, and then we can make progress out of it. Um, An example uh, that we did here, I was part of it a little bit, but it was the Xbox Feedback Program. We launched that. There's a whole feedback.xlux.com site, and that now channels into developers, and that goes straight to their inboxes practically. So that cool. way they can see what the community is saying in a real-time status. Yeah, it's nice to see you know these beta communities and, and just beta testing in general it lo- has lost its stigma. It's no longer this kind of private community. People are, are more and more open, and you guys are pioneering that, really, with, with the whole Microsoft, the Windows platform and the Xbox platform, allowing fans and, and people who want to go out and test stuff to actually do things, which is a very cool thing. 
I think it sets us up for a more successful relationship with our community, in my opinion, because we're no longer creating it a product in a box, quote-unquote. We're now creating a product in a group. And who better to give us feedback on what they want than the people who are buying it? Well, one of the more exciting things that, that we've been talking about on the show, off the air, uh, with our gamer friends, with anyone who listen, basically, is Play Anywhere. And aside from the fact, aside from the, the business element, it's a huge thing for Microsoft, especially moving forward and sort of joining the platforms, making one unified platform uh, that where people can play a game on one, you know, on your Xbox and then have it saved and go play on your PC and continue where you left off. It's sort of a brilliant thing. But from your perspective, how much more challenging does it make what you do having this tremendous crossover of not just titles, but the audiences and the platforms that they're played on? It makes things a little more challenging. Am I right? Absolutely. It, it brought us to so the launch of XPA this fall, Xbox Play Anywhere, brought on a whole new set of challenges and, and things that we needed to address and make sure we were on the spot for. And obviously we knew XPA was coming, so there was a lot of pre-groundwork we got to lay and, and a lot of uh, team cohesion, team communication. Like we set up those rail lines is how I look at it because we knew that train was coming. And now that the train is built and it's out there and it's running, we're now watching that. We're evolving from it. We're growing from it. So, yeah, it's a, it's a whole other huge community. Take Gears of War, for example. Like that is huge community. Um, and now they have the XPA, and then even games are now doubling down and having the play, the crossplay now. So I can play Horde mode, you know, with people on PC and people on uh, console, and that's a whole nother ball game as well. On top of that, Josh, play anywhere. I mean, is is honestly, it's a game changer. And I saw this when when game streaming was first in its beta. You know, it gave me a reason to get back into the Windows platform. And I yeah. know that that's something that was obviously intentional, but I mean. Play Anywhere, along with game streaming, has an incredible future. I absolutely agree. Um, we're all, we all know the Windows community is huge. Um, it used to be a lot bigger in the gaming aspect, in my own personal opinion. So I am a big fan of merging the future of Xbox with the future of Windows, because they're just two big communities that uh, they already talk. That's the thing. They already talk. They already cross-pollinate. They already intermingle, so why not give them a mechanism to promote that and even encourage it on some platforms? Well, every every game I've purchased since I've, I've ensured that I obviously bought the you know the Play Anywhere version like Forza Horizon. I mean, yep. so I can play it absolutely anywhere. Do you see? I'm not I'm not going to put you on the spot here, but I'm just curious for your opinion. Do you see a day where really the the Xbox itself, the actual device, is is kind of irrelevant and we can just play these games anywhere we want to? Um, I'm not sure quite on the future of, like, Xbox itself. Obviously, people way more important than me get to make those kind of decisions. But <laughs> I think if you step back and look at it uh, as an Xbox fan, uh, if I put on my Xbox fan hat and I just look at the big picture, it looks like we're, we're coming to one big happy family. We're coming to one kind of one organization that can, can meld together the best of both, both worlds. While I think there's things that we we don't even have in our mind and on our horizon, that's what excites me. It's, yeah. it's the stuff we're not even thinking about that makes a possibility because these two things are marrying. Exactly, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay on that theme. I'm gonna obviously we, we don't know. My my question is gonna be a lot easier than Mark's because we don't know exactly where it's gonna go in terms of hardware in the future. But I want you to keep on your your Xbox gamer hat right now. Forget about your job. Forget about who pays all your bills. Forget about that for a minute. Now, this idea of console iterations and what we as gamers were trained to believe was the norm. And for yeah. years, six to eight years, most closer to eight years per cycle was the norm. And that started back with Nintendo in the early days and Sega, and then continued with Microsoft and obviously Sony moving forward. But here we see the Xbox One S comes out mid-cycle, and now we know Scorpio is coming next year. And some people, and I think, I think Josh, it's because, once again, people are conditioned to react to what they're used to, not what might be better, might be worse, but what they're familiar with. And the console iteration, the console cycle has always been so long, but let's face it, everything, we're in, a, we're in a time now where we replace our mobile phones every two years, televisions, cars, things that we used to keep for decades are now being replaced every few years, and with technology advancing exponentially every year, components getting better, why shouldn't we have console cycles that are shorter? As a gamer, this is a great thing. Yeah, I'm definitely a fan of console iteration involvement um, to a point where, like you said, our lives are 
progressively trending in a faster. We are trying. I mean, just look at social media. How it's just figuring out how can we digest the most amount of information in the fastest time possible. Um, technology is progressing to that on any scape you look at: transportation, medical, um, entertainment. As we pointed out, everything is trending. Because I remember the days where I got one game for six months, and that was it. Like <laughs> there was really no other game to play, or sometimes <laughs> longer. Like that was it. And if you wanted to play more games, and you pulled from your quote-unquote backlog, which you spent a hundred <laughs> hours in each game, now we're at a point where holy flip! I mean. In the last six months, I could not name how many titles have launched just on one platform alone. So, the consoles also need to evolve to that. I, I'm a big fan of. I want obviously new. I I want I want more ways to digest my entertainment, and I would I want it to evolve because you also don't want stagnation because you have the big PC community that has right. the ability to turn fast on a dime. And I think absolutely, I'd love for the consoles to catch up to that. I, I am with you 100%. The, the, the gamer, I've been gaming for more decades than I could probably mention. Uh, before we let you go, we, we have to ask you, since we're, we're, you, you segued us beautifully, you transitioned beautifully into this question. Before we let you go, Josh, what games are you playing now? I know there are about five that I'm playing now. Like you said, I just keep on popping in different ones. I'll go back to Forza, to Gears, to Overwatch. I'm all over the place. What oh, games yeah. are you playing right now? Right now, so I, keep, I keep my pins of shame. It's half what I'm playing, half my backlog. Uh, just got Dead Rising 4. Obviously, that just came out for us. So um, I was taking selfies with zombies last night and tweeting about it. That was actually quite fun. <laughs> um, I'm also still going back to the tried and true Halo 5, going through Gears of War 4. And uh, I got Dishonored 2. So I'm now going to grok through. Oh, man, but see, I keep going. But then two nights ago, I played Battlefield 1. And then I caught myself <laughs> playing the campaign of Titanfall 2. It's rotating, but I think my constants are Halo, Gears, and Overwatch. See, yeah, I know. I, I, I think that's very close. Two out of those three are, are my special go-tos. And I got to tell you, and I keep on saying this, and it might sound as a little bit of a cliche if you're not a gamer, but there's never been a better time to be a gamer with all the with all the games that are coming out. And as we said at the beginning, Josh, we, we, are, we are huge Microsoft fans. We are huge Xbox fans. And as gamers and as guys having a radio show, we appreciate you taking the time. And we do hope you'll come back because, as you said, there are new games, new consoles coming out all the time. Always great news for Microsoft. And we love hearing from your perspective, especially with the view that you have on the community, on the games in general. We'd love to have you back, so we hope you'll join us again. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's been a blast. And anytime you want to talk community and Xbox, I am two hands raised. You've been tuned in to Your Tech Report. Join us again next week for another edition. And be sure to follow Your Tech Report online. Email us, contact at yourtechreport.com. Follow us on Twitter at Your Tech Report. Like us on facebook.com slash yourtechreport. For the latest in breaking tech news and reviews, yourtechreport.com. Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.